Hi guys, I'm Leanne Little and I'm all about stories. I read them, write them, watch them, anything with a story, I love it. I especially love sharing them with other people and what better way is there than to start with the classics? Like there are classics for a reason, right? They're awesome. Don't forget to hit up all those fancy buttons, like, subscribe, follow, share, whatever you need to do. But most importantly, don't be afraid to reach out. I would love to connect with you. So hit up those comments or even head over to my website, leannlittle.com to message directly. Today, I'm reading chapter one from The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexandre Dumas. If you haven't read it before, I highly recommend getting the unabridged version. It's 1700 pages of delicious, well thought out revenge by a man named Edmond Dantes. The thing with Edmond was that he was wrongfully imprisoned. This happened through his co-workers, a competitor for his girlfriend, even the justice system had a hand to play in his imprisonment. He ends up escaping and plotting his revenge over years, decades. It's an amazing story, and thank you so much for listening to it, and so let's get started. Chapter 1, Marseille, The Arrival On the 24th of February, 1815, the lookout at Notre-Dame-de-la-Garde signaled the three-master, the Ferion, from Smyrna, Trieste, and Naples. As usual, a pilot put off immediately, and rounding the Chateau d'If got on board the vessel between Cape Morgot and Rion Island. Immediately, and according to custom, the ramparts of Fort St. John were covered with spectators. It is always an event at the Marseille for a ship to come into port, especially when this ship, like the Ferion, has been built, rigged, and laden at the old Fossib docks, and belongs to an owner of the city. The ship drew on and had safely passed the strait which some volcanic shock has made between the Calasarain and Jaros Islands, had doubled Pomagu and approached the harbour under topsails, jib, and spanker, but so slowly and sedatedly that the idlers, with that instinct which is the forerunner of evil, asked one another what misfortune could have happened on board. I just kind of want to stop right now and apologize for my pronunciations. I did take French all the way through school. However, I was not very good at it. I just can't wrap my tongue around it. So I do apologize for my pronunciation. However, those experienced in navigation saw plainly that if any accident had occurred, it was not to the vessel herself, for she bore down with all the evidence of being skillfully handled. The anchor, a cockbill, the jib-boom guys already eased off and standing by the side of the pilot, who was steering the ferry on towards the narrow entrance of the inner port, was a young man who, with activity and vigilant eye, watched every motion of the ship and repeated each direction of the pilot. The vague disquietude which prevailed among the spectators had so much affected one of the crowd that he did not await the arrival of the vessel in harbour, but jumping into a small skiff desired to be pulled aside the ferry on, which he reached as she rounded into the reserve basin. When the young man on board saw this person approach, he left his station by the pilot and, hat in hand, leaned over the ship's bulwarks. He was a fine, tall, slim young fellow of 18 or 20, with black eyes and hair as dark as a raven's wing, and his whole appearance bespoke that calmness and resolution peculiar to men accustomed from their cradle to contend with danger. "'Ah, is it you, Dantes?' cried the man in the skiff. "'What's the matter? "'And why have you such an air of sadness aboard?' "'A great misfortune, Monsieur Morel,' replied the young man. "'A great misfortune, for me especially. "'Off Civita Vicia we lost our brave Captain Leclerc. 
And the cargo? inquired the owner eagerly. Is all safe, Monsieur Morel, and I think you'll be satisfied on that head. But poor Captain Leclerc! What happened to him? asked the owner with an air of considerable resignation. What happened to the worthy captain? He died. Fell into the sea? No, sir, he died of brain fever in dreadful agony. Then turning to the crew, he said, Bear a hand there to take in sail. All hands obeyed, and at once the eight or ten seamen who composed the crew sprang to their respective stations at the spanker rails and outhaul, top sail sheets, and halyards, the jib downhaul, and the topsail clue lines and bunt lines. The young sailor gave a look to see that his orders were promptly and accurately obeyed, then turned again to the owner. And how did this misfortune occur? inquired the latter, resuming the interrupted conversation. Alas, sir, in the most unexpected manner. After a long talk with the harbor master, Captain Leclerc left Naples, greatly disturbed in mind. In twenty-four hours, he was attacked by a fever and died three days afterwards. We performed the usual burial service, and he is at his rest, sewn up in his hammock with a thirty-six pound shot at his head and heels off El Gilo Island. We bring to his widow his sword and cross of honor. It was worth while, truly, added the young man with a melancholy smile, to make war against the English for ten years and to die in his bed at last, like everyone else. Why, you see, Edmond, replied the owner, who appeared more comforted at every moment, we are all mortal, and the old must make way for the young. If not, why, there would be no promotion. And since you assure me that the cargo... Is all safe and sound, Monsieur Morel. Take my word for it. And I advise you not to take 25,000 francs for the profits of the voyage. Then, as they were just passing the round tower, the young man shouted, Stand by there to lower the topsails and jib. Brail up the spanker. The order was executed as promptly as it would have been on board a man of war. Let go and clue up. At this last command, all the sails were lowered, and the vessel moved almost imperceptibly onwards. "'Now, if you'll come aboard, Monsieur Morel,' said Dantes, observing the owner's impatience, "'here is your supercargo, Monsieur Danglars, coming out of his cabin, who will furnish you with every particular. As for me, I must look after the anchoring and dress the ship in mourning.' The owner did not wait for a second invitation. He seized a rope which Dantes flung to him, and with an air and with an activity that would have done credit to a sailor, climbed up to the side of the ship, and while the young man, going to his task, left the conversation to Danglars, who now came toward the owner. He was a man of twenty-five or twenty-six years of age, of unprepossessing countenance, obsequious to his superiors, insolent to his subordinates, and this, in addition to his position as responsible agent on board, which is always obnoxious to the sailors, made him as much disliked by the crew as Edmond Dantes was beloved by them. "'Well, Monsieur Morel,' said Danglars, "'you have heard of the misfortune that has befallen us.' "'Yes, yes, poor Captain Leclerc. "'He was a brave and honest man. "'And a first-rate seaman, one who had seen long and honorable service, "'as became a man charged with the interests of a house "'so important as that of Morel and Son,' replied Danglars. But, replied the owner, glancing after Dantes, who was watching the anchoring of his vessel, it seems to me that a sailor needs not to be so old as you say, Danglars, to understand his business, for our friend Edmond seems to understand it thoroughly, and not to require instruction from anyone. 
Yes, said Danglar, darting at Edmond, a look gleaming with hate. Yes, he is young, and youth is invariably self-confident. Scarcely was the captain's breath out of his body when he assumed the command without consulting anyone, and he caused us to lose a day and a half at the island of Elba instead of making for Marseille direct. As to taking command of the vessel, replied Morel, that was his duty as captain's mate. As to losing a day and a half off the island of Elba, he was wrong, unless the vessel needed repairs. The vessel was, as, the vessel was in as good a condition as I am, and as I hope you are, Monsieur Morel. And this day and a half was lost from pure whim, for the pleasure of going ashore and nothing else. Dantes, said the shipowner, turning towards the young man, come this way. In a moment, sir, answered Dantes, and I am with you. Then calling to the crew, he said, let go. The anchor was instantly dropped and the chain ran rattling through the porthole. Dantes continued at his post in spite of the presence of the pilot until this maneuver was completed. Then he added, half mast the colors and square the yards. You see, said Danglar, he fancies himself captain already, upon my word. And so, in fact, he is, said the owner. Accept your signature and your partner's, Monsieur Morel. And why should he not have this? said the owner. He's young, it's true. But he seems to me a thorough seaman and full of experience. A cloud passed over Danglars' brow. Your pardon, Monsieur Morel, said Dantes, approaching. The vessel now rides at anchor and I'm at your service. You hailed me, I think. Danglars retreated a step or two. I wish to inquire why you stopped at the island of Elba. I do not know, sir. It was to fill the last instructions of Captain Leclerc, who, when dying, gave me a packet for Marshal Bertrand. Then, did you see him, Edmond? Who? The Marshal. Yes. Morel looked around him, and then drawing Dantes on one side, he said suddenly, And how is the Emperor? Very well, as far as I could judge from the sight of him. You saw the Emperor, then? And just so we're clear, they are talking about Napoleon here. I'm not sure if you um, caught that, but they are talking about Napoleon, who ended up being exiled to the island of Elba. He entered the marshal's apartment while I was there. And you spoke to him? Why, it was he who spoke to me, sir, said Dantes with a smile. And what did he say to you? Ask me questions about the vessel, the time she left Marseilles, the course she had taken, and what was her cargo. I believe if she had not been laden, and I had been her master, he would have bought her. But I told him I was only mate, and that she belonged to the firm of Morel and Son. Ah, yes, he said, I know them. The Morels have been shipowners from father to son, and there was a Morel who served in the same regiment with me when I was in garrison at Valence. Pardieu, and that's true, cried the owner, greatly delighted. And that was Policar Morel, my uncle, who was afterward a captain. Dantes, you must tell my uncle that the emperor remembered him, and you will see it will bring tears to the old soldier's eyes. Come, come, continued he, patting Edmond's shoulder kindly. You did very right, Dantes, to follow Captain Leclerc's instructions and touch at Elba. Although, if it were known that you had conveyed a packet to the marshal, and had conversed with the emperor, it might bring you into trouble." How could that bring me into trouble, sir? asked Dantes, for I did not even know what I was the bearer. 
and the emperor merely made such inquiries as he would of any first comer. But pardon me, here are the health officers and the customs inspectors coming alongside. And the young man went to the gangway. As he departed, Danglar approached and said, Well, it appears that he has given you satisfactory reasons for his landing at Porto Ferreo. Yes, most satisfactory, my dear Danglar. Well, so much the better, said the supercargo, for it is not pleasant to think that a comrade has not done his duty. Dantes has done his, replied the owner, and that is not saying much. It was Captain Leclerc who gave orders for this delay. Talking of Captain Leclerc, has not Dantes given you a letter from him? To me? No. Was there one? I believe that, besides the packet, Captain Leclerc confided a letter into his care. Of what packet are you speaking, Danglar? Why, that which Dantes left at Porto Ferreo. How do you know he had a packet to leave at Porto Ferreo? Danglar turned very red. I was passing close to the door of the captain's cabin, which was half open, and I saw him give the packet and letter to Dantes. He did not speak of it. He did not speak to me of it, replied the shipowner. But if there be any letter, he will give it to me. Danglar reflected for a moment. Then, Monsieur Morel, I beg of you, he said, not to say a word to Dantes on the subject. I may have been mistaken. At this moment, the young man returned. Danglar withdrew. Well, my dear Dantes, are you now free? inquired the owner. Yes, sir. You have not been long detained. No, I gave the custom house officers a copy of our bill of lading, and as to the other papers, they sent a man off with the pilot to whom I gave them. Then you have nothing more to do here? No, everything is all right now. Then you can come and dine with me. I really must ask you to excuse me, Monsieur Morel. My first visit is due to my father, though I am not the less graceful for the honor you have done me. Right, Dantes, quite right. I always knew you were a good son. And, inquired Dantes with some hesitation, do you know how my father is? Well, I, be I believe, my dear Edmond, though I have not seen him lately. Yes, he likes to keep himself shut up in his little room. That proves, at least, that he is not wanted for nothing during your absence. Dantes smiled. My father is proud, sir, and if he had not a meal left, I doubt if he would have asked anything from anyone except from heaven. Well then, after this first visit has been made, we shall count on you. I must again excuse myself, Monsieur Morel, for after this first visit has been paid, I have another which I am most anxious to pay. Ah, true, Dantes, I forgot there was at the Catalan someone who expects you no less impatiently than your father. The lovely Mercedes... Dantes blushed. Aha, said the shipowner. I am not in the least surprised, for she has been to me three times inquiring if there were any news of the ferion. Peste, Edmond, you have a very handsome mistress. She's not my mistress, replied the young sailor gravely. She is my betrothed. Sometimes one and the same thing, said Morel with a smile. Not with us, sir, replied Dantes. Well, well, my dear Edmond continued the owner. Don't let me detain you. You have managed my affairs so well that I ought to allow you all the time you require for your own.
Do you want any money? No, sir. I have all my pay to take. Nearly three months' wages. You are a careful fellow, Edmond. Say I have a poor father, sir. Yes, yes. I know how good a son you are. Now hasten away to see your father. I have a son, too, and I should be very wroth with those who detained him for me after three months' voyage. Then I have your leave, sir? Yes, if you have nothing more to say to me. Nothing. Captain Leclerc did not, before he died, give you a letter for me? He was unable to write, sir. But that reminds me that I must ask your leave of absence for some days. To get married? Yes, first, then to go to Paris. Very good. Have what time you require, Dantes. It will take quite six weeks to unload the cargo, and we cannot get you ready for sea until three months after that. Only be back again in three months for the ferryon, added the owner, patting the young sailor on the back. Cannot sail without her captain. Without her captain? cried Dantes, his eyes sparkling with animation. Pray, mind what you say, for you are touching on the most secret wishes of my heart. Is it really your intention to make me captain of the Ferion? If I were sole owner, we'd shake on it now, my dear Dantes, and call it settled. But I have a partner, and you know the Italian proverb, she ha compagno ha padrone. He who has a partner has a master. But the thing is at least half done, as you have one out of two votes. Rely on me to procure you the other. I will do my best. Ah, uh, Monsieur Morel, exclaimed the young seaman with tears in his eyes and grasping the owner's hand. Monsieur Morel, I thank you in the name of my father and of Mercedes. That's all right, Edmond. There's a providence that watches over the deserving. Go to your father. Go and see Mercedes. And afterwards, come to me. Shall I row you ashore? No, thank you. I shall remain and look over the accounts with Danglars. Have you been satisfied with him this voyage? That is according to the sense you attach to the question, sir. Do you mean he's a good comrade? No, for I think he never liked me since the day when I was silly enough, after a little quarrel we had, to propose to him to stop for ten minutes at the island of Monte Cristo to settle a dispute. The proposition which I was wrong to suggest, and he quite right to refuse. If you mean as a responsible agent when you ask me the question, I believe there's nothing to say against him, and that you'll be content with the way in which he's performed his duties. But tell me, Dantes, if you had command of the ferryon, should you be glad to see Danglars remain? Captain or mate, Monsieur Morel, I shall always have the greatest respect for those who possess the owner's confidence. That's right, that's right, Dantes. I see you are a thoroughly good fellow, and will detain you no longer. Go, for I see how impatient you are. Then I have leave? Go, I tell you. May I have the use of your skiff? Certainly. Then for the present, Mr. Morel... Ah, I'm sorry, guys. Then for the present, Monsieur Morel, farewell and a thousand thanks. I hope to see you again, my dear Edmond. Good luck to you. The young sailor jumped into the skiff and sat down in the stern sheets, with the order that he be put ashore at Le Canambier. The two oarsmen bent to their work, and the little boat glided away as rapidly as possible in the midst of the thousand vessels which choke up the narrow way which leads between the two rows of ships from the mouth of the harbor to the Quai d'Orléans. 
the ship owner, smiling, followed him with his eyes until he saw him spring out on the quay and disappear in the midst of the throng, which, from five o'clock in the morning until nine o'clock at night, swarms in the famous street of La Canabière, a street of which the modern Focines are so proud that they say with all the gravity in the world, and with that accent which gives so much character to what is said, if Paris had La Canabière, Paris would be a second Marseille. On turning around, the owner saw Danglars behind him, apparently awaiting orders, but in reality also watching the young sailor. But there was a great difference in the expression of the two men who thus followed the movements of Edmond Dantes. All right, guys, that is it for chapter one. And like I mentioned before, take a minute to like, subscribe, share, follow, whatever you need to do. Don't forget that I love hearing from all of you. So please leave any comments you like, or you can visit my website at leannelittle.com. That's L-I-A-N-E-L-I-T-T-L-E.com. And you can message me directly there as well. And remember, it's all about the story. Have a great day.